0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, 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 in a season in which there have been a lot of highs, but more importantly, a lot of lows, Hmm. the New York Mets have hit a new low. And we have a really fun episode today. We're going to talk about the pretty wide open National League MVP race. But before we get to that, I want to give you the floor so you can talk about the embarrassing situation that the New York Mets find themselves in right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not know you were opening with this, so this, this is this is We got to get too. out of the way, the bad yeah, stuff first. I, I guess so. I mean, the easiest way to just sum it up is just it, it's a disaster. It, it is a, it's another circus, which I think is probably the biggest thing from Met fans that I think we were all looking forward to this year was hoping that the circus would stop and just the the attention it would stop being negative attention and things could finally center around just being a good baseball team run the right way and focus on winning and all of that and all I want from my team, from a fan's perspective, is to have one year where they're not a circus. E- go, even go back to 2015 when they went to the World Series. It was the whole Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores for Carlos mm-hmm. Gomez trade with Flores crying on the field and all that. Now, of course, Flores is <laughs> a hero for everything that he did, but still a disaster you know, coming from that. And this has been a rough year for, for the Mets. There's been excitement, of course, with Steve Cohen coming in, of course, with the overhaul. Uh, that did come in there. Of course, with Francisco Lindor. But, you know, you've got the the Jared Porter disaster that looms over them from this year. You have just a, a monumental collapse, which is what it is. It's not going to get the attention that it probably should because they've collapsed here in July and August rather than September. But they led this division for 90 days and have completely fallen apart here as we move into September. And now you have this absolute train wreck where players are giving thumbs down to boo the fans to quote Javi Baez I don't know how they could possibly think that is a good idea listen I get it if they wanted to use that internally and just be that's what it means Then say something else outside Uh to actually be honest with the New York media and the New York (laughs) fans and tell them we're doing it to boo the fans back I can't comprehend the level of tone deafness that it takes to think that that is a good idea it was such a train wreck yesterday sunday so we're recording this on monday when things broke that sandy alderson the president of baseball operations had to issue a late night statement condemning it and steve cohen then had an exclusive in the new york post today also condemning it just what a train wreck
0: i didn't see steve cohen's thing was it any good uh,
1: it was basically more of the same as what Sandy said, just yeah. that this, it's unacceptable for, yeah. for the players to look at the fans that way. And listen, I hate booing. I think it's stupid. Mm. I do not boo players on a team that I root for. I don't see a point in it. I understand why some fans think, let's do that in order to voice our displeasure. For me, it's just, it's not for me. But to then go and attack your own fans, Joel Sherman put it really, really well today in, in one of the many articles that I feel like have been written already. He compared it to trying to win a battle against ocean waves. It's mm. just never gonna happen. The wave is gonna topple you.
0: Isn't the number one piece of advice when you're caught in a riptide is to to go limp, to not fight it?
1: Yeah, and they, they tried head-on. They yep. went head-on at them, and it just it, it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, there's so much good stuff there. I was also going to preface and say we're recording this on Monday night because who knows where this is gonna be by the time this gets dropped. Yeah, they don't play
1: Monday night, so the but they do have a doubleheader on Tuesday, so we'll see how things progress there. And then, is it course, at home on Tuesday? It is at home. Yeah. And then we'll see, uh, as you said, when this drops on Wednesday morning, if yeah. we're in a different Mets world by then.
0: So my quick thoughts, just uh, for, for people that have no idea what we're talking about. Javi Baez, acquired by the Mets at the deadline, has struggled. Francisco Lindor signs a 10-year contract. Met for life has struggled. Javi Baez got on second base, was doing the thumbs down signal towards the bench. He gets asked about it after the game in the press conference. He says, we're not machines. It doesn't feel good to get booed. We're going to either lose, we're going to win together or we're going to lose together talking about the Mets players and the fans. But if you guys, paraphrasing, are going to boo us, then we're going to show you how it feels and we're going to quote unquote boo you back. And that was the thumbs down signal. Why poke the bear? That's my well, thought. Not
1: only the bear, the New York sports fan bear. It's
0: so <laughs> unfathomable. And truly, if you watch the video of Javi talking, I think he wants pity. Yeah. That's the thing. He's not overly confrontational or aggressive. He's pretty even keeled when he said it, which means he genuinely believes it. And he wants... He- he you know he maybe thought that the New York fans were going to hear this and think, "Oh God, oh my God, Javi Baez, you're so right. I'm so sorry we're booing you for having one of the he does have the most strikeouts in in baseball right now, right? for being the most strikeout prone baseball in baseball player in the league instead of being a booing you, we're going to celebrate you. That is never going to happen. Ask John Carlos Stanton. Ask Aaron Judge. Ask Bryce Harper. These fan bases are ruthless. They don't care who you are. So yeah. why would you go about and act like you're higher than them, better than them, and put them down? His The rest of his tenure in New York is going to be brutal. That's the only word
1: for it. Yeah, on on Baez, last 162 games, 223 strikeouts, 24 walks. It's
0: almost unbelievable how someone
1: could strike out. (laughs) And also just thinking of this team, which of course is going through all the turmoil of just losing game after game after game since basically the, the end of June. Think of the position this had to put, you know, Steve Cohen, Sandy Alderson... Luis Rojas didn't even know about it until he gets asked mid press conference, which is just so brutal to blind. It's not the media's fault, but to, to blindside the manager then and ask him his thoughts on something that he didn't even know about. You've got Alderson and Cohen have to put out statements basically telling their own players that they completely disagree that everything they're doing. For a team that has already had clubhouse issues this year, remember the Francisco Lindor-Jeff McNeil fight with the rat or oh, raccoon yeah, right. earlier yeah. in the season. I, about I mean, that. it's just... It, it, it's a circus it, the circus is still in town i think a lot of us talking as a met fan a lot of us thought the circus would finally leave town mm-hmm. with the will ponds going out but it, it's another year and another really really disparaging thing and it really is so disappointing because i think there is a ton that gets you excited about the mets and, and kind of the new direction that they are looking to go in under this ownership group but this is this headlines that things really still do need to change
0: Quite simply, the losing would have been enough.
1: It has been enough, <laughs> trust me.
0: It was enough to sum up how disappointing this season is. And you're right, now that losing season is not going to be talked about nearly enough than as it needs to be. Because this is going to be the dominating headline. And can I say, I think Steve Cohen brought this on himself. Mm. I truly think...
1: He's pretty vocal.
0: First of all, signing Javi Baez, thinking he's going to be the answer, amidst all the other struggles that the Mets hitters have had, Javi Baez isn't the guy that's going to right the ship. And then also, that tweet he had, I don't remember the exact wording, but he he said something like he can't believe how professional hitters can have such a bad plate discipline. Can have such bad plate discipline making it very clear he's directing that towards Javier Baez. When you do that as the owner in a an executive position, you then invite the fans to hop on it. I'm not condoning anything Javier <laughs> Baez did. I think it's absolutely absurd that he is bringing this on himself now. But I think Steve Cohen has to watch himself a little bit. And who knows if he's writing these tweets himself. But if you're going to say that, then you're allowing fans to jump on it with you. And I don't think you want that.
1: Yeah, honestly, based on the tweets that have been written this year, I'm fairly confident he is writing those ones. Himself. <laughs> you would think. He's a I, loose cannon. <laughs> he, he is. I, 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 I know we talked about it a little bit before before when that tweet did come out i was fine with it because i was so fired up about this team i understand why he would be fired up about the team underperforming the way he did but as you bring up a great point that it certainly sets an example for then fans will latch on to and new york fans don't need much to latch on to something to to go at you so it's uh it's just all different fuels to this fire that has been a dumpster fire here in the second half and it's um it's really it's really disappointing to see because this Mets team should just not be in this situation. There's so much talent on this team, but it has all drastically underperformed. Yeah. Almost and, all.
0: And I think in the past on hours, honestly, we are still literally hours from the the incident over the weekend. But it's brought a lot of conversation into the light about the Mets' future and Javier mm. Báez's future, and I don't know if that's 100% necessary I think people will forget this soon, but then you never see, you never like to see the old videos surfacing of Bryce Harper talking about a low point he had and how he would have booed if he was a fan too. And Derek Jeter's infamous quote, when you see how other players reacted to it and then you see how Javier Javier Baez is reacting to it, simply it's not a good look. It's just not the way you should hold yourself. It's not the way you should hold yourself in New York, especially and the Mets don't need it. Again, they don't need it. Losing no. is enough.
1: <laughs> no, the the Mets are a little different than, than playing in Chicago, where, yeah. I, again, Sherman, it's just I quote it because it was so perfectly, where the Cubs were playing on scholarship after winning that World Series, where yeah. they could do anything. It didn't matter. They were they were going to get cheered. Past performance and winning a World Series in another city is not going to carry over to New York, and I think Baez has seen that the hard way. I think Lindor has seen that the hard way with carry, not carrying over his performance from Cleveland over to new york so yeah. it's it's a it's a frustrated group <laughs> already and then add in the, the true disappointment of this year and then as you said poking the bear and it puts together a very very dangerous combination of ingredients
0: yes so i'm glad we got that out of the way thank you for sharing your thoughts i'm sure it hasn't been an easy day for you reading these things i'm I very bet. very annoyed the other thing is that francisco lindor was involved so mm-hmm. he is certainly not clear of conscience. it's not like these guys are no. rookies not a good look but now let's turn to what we actually want to talk about today which is the pretty wide open NL MVP race I would say so so I think you said you have six I have seven names we're obviously not going to talk about each one in a ton of depth but the AL MVP race is pretty <clears throat> much tied up it's Shohei I would Otani say so. <laughs> he has done pretty much every historic thing you can think about it, this was Jacob Degrom's award to lose oh, at the time. Oh, you beat me to it. Yes, I really truly think that. I think he was going to beat Bob Gibson. I think he was going to have a year for the ages. Health got in the way. Now, I think you could probably say that Fernando Tatis Jr. is the front runner, mm-hmm. but that's not to count out maybe three other guys behind him.
1: I, I completely agree, and, and like I said, you you beat me to exactly where I was going to go. Where it felt like this award was also done if we go back to June where this was going to be Jacob DeGrom's most valuable player he was on the historical pace the Mets were in first place all oh, was good in Gotham <laughs> where which it clearly is not right now but now as we move into September i i think this award is completely wide open i do agree with you that i think Tatis would probably be your front runner as of right now so do you want to start with him
0: yeah let's do it
1: cool yeah let's Let's get into it then. I mean, what, what more is there to say when you talk about Fernando <laughs> Tatis? I think one of the big things that you look at and it's something we've discussed before is health and where he has missed You know, a, a chunk of the season. Interestingly enough, though, for him, he still does have the 35 home runs, and he did so in 96 games, which is the fewest games to 35 home runs in a season by any player 22 years of age or younger. So even when he's missing all this time, he's still playing... At such a historic pace, he's third in the National League in war. Again, that is only playing in 100 games as of right now, as compared to, I believe, it's 128 or 129 is the most they could have played as of this point, so basically missed a month of the season. Do you want to take over, or do you want me to keep going?
0: Because I I can. (laughs) So I have a a very relevant point about the games played. And less than a month ago... Jace Tingler was telling the media that Fernando Tatis might not come back from this third shoulder mm-hmm. dislocation. Third of the season. 99 games, or as we record, 100. He's had a 365 at-bats. I thought this was fascinating. Whit Merrifield leads the league with 525 at-bats. He has 110 less ABs than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Tatis leads the league in slugging. Okay, if you don't think that's good enough because of the smaller sample size, 110 less at bats than Vlad. He's tied for fourth in the league in stolen bases with 24. Yeah, that's and he's fourth in the league in homers with 35. To do all that and that much less at bats in a sample size, it's pretty incredible.
1: And when you say fourth in the league, you mean all of Major League all baseball. of baseball. Not yes. even the NL because he no. is your leader in the NL at 35. Pete Alonso has played in 21 more games, is six behind him there for second place. Yeah, just again showing the ridiculous pace that that Tatis is at. And I think you kind of sum it up there too. You know, you talk about the stolen bases, like yeah, I think it's important to incorporate the speed into things and say that he has 24. Stolen bases this season. I think it's important to look at the RBIs where he has 78 in only 100 games, and you say however many less at bats. He's still in the top 10 in RBIs in the National League. Doing all of this with, again, a month missed, I think is just unbelievably impressive and why I put him as the front runner to win this award. Now, in years past, you may say, well, if the Padres miss out on the playoffs, there's no shot he gets it. I think that that has kind of been mitigated a little bit over the years. We know Mike Trout has picked up multiple MVPs with the Angels not making the playoffs. It has happened before. It happened in, I want to say it was 2016. I'm completely blanking right now. I had it open before. I don't have it right now. Um, So I don't think playoff performance absolutely guarantees or playoff making the playoffs absolutely guarantees an MVP, which is why I still have Tatis at the top of the list.
0: Yeah, that actually segues exactly where I wanted to go. I was going to ask you straight up if you think... A playoff appearance, or a, not a playoff appearance, expels somebody from the conversation. I, Shohei Otani's going to win the, MP, yep. the AL MVP. 2015 Angels, Bryce
1: Harper, by the way, that's what I was looking for.
0: Yeah, good call. Angels are nowhere close. I mentioned Cedric Mullins. I think he should be an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of... I feel I feel like I could go back and forth every single day, basically. The Padres are nothing Without Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, the Angels are nothing. The Orioles are not. their Orioles are nothing anyway.
1: So wouldn't that make him the most valuable player?
0: Right. So <laughs> so that's that's really my point, and I think it's honestly mitigated in this situation, especially because of how electric Fernando Tatis Jr. is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it comes down to the numbers, right? It always does. Yep, but always does. Tatis just has this factor that nobody else does. Max Max Muncie is somebody we're going to talk about, and he deserves legitimate consideration. But I don't think I would feel right giving Muncie the award over Tatis. And Muncie's defense is elite, and Mm -hmm. Tatis's is far from elite. (laughs) It's
1: far from elite. We've
0: mentioned that's the one part of his game that he desperately needs to improve. He is not an above average defender right now, at least at shortstop. But he just has that factor. I think he is the perfect presence in a clubhouse. I think he brings things out of players that only that type of personality can get. And there is so much to be said for this guy, this kid really, he's younger Mm -hmm. than us, to get hurt, the same injury three times, dislocating that shoulder. He completely reconfigured his swing and he still is fourth in all of baseball in home runs. There's just not many guys that can do that and then keep up this pace.
1: Uh, First, thanks for making me feel old on the he is younger than us. Um, It's weird to think about, right? So many guys now. It is. But also just one more thing I want to point to with him is, you know, what is really important is being a winning player and helping your team win. Fernando Tatis Jr. is first in the National League in win probability added, meaning everything that he does has had more of an impact on the Padres winning games than any other player in the National League. And I think when it's all said and done, that's why he is the front runner. I still am not comfortable anointing him just because there are so many guys having such great seasons uh, that are around him. But I think all of that kind of boils down to why he is the leader in the clubhouse right now.
0: Win probability added is the perfect stat for that. I thought you might like that one. Yeah, I love that. If he goes on the IL one more time, (laughs) I think you could pretty much say that's wrapped up. Yeah, he can. Can he miss, like, two more games?
1: Yep. Okay. He can't have another IL stint. That's what it is.
0: All right, that's fair. And at this point, I mean, the Padres are... Fighting for, they are
1: they can't afford to have him go on the IL more so than just the MVP race as well. Right, right.
0: It's interesting though because he's he missed a significant chunk of games. He's missed a month. Yeah. All right. Who do you want to talk about next?
1: It's it's tough. Do you do you go with possibly a guy having the best individual season behind him or the guy on the best team in the National League? That could okay behind him.
0: let's do monty because right. i have a problem with that statement
1: i wasn't even going to go to the dodgers i was going to go to the giants
0: oh interesting mm-hmm. oh my god that's so funny because wow. i'm interested
1: in your take here so let's go there and we don't have okay. to spend too much time on it but you know if we, we talk about fernando tatis and we talk about the playoffs because there is a real possibility that the padres do not make the playoffs This team, the San Francisco Giants, will be in the playoffs. They are currently the best team in the National League, sitting there with 84 wins, two more than the L.A. Dodgers. And why the Giants are so interesting, and it's something we've talked about many times, is that they are a combination of their parts, Mm -hmm. where there are so many guys having such great years. But you got to imagine some of them, or one of them, would be in the MVP race. And for me, I do pick one out that I go to as my leader for the Giants, and that would be Brandon Crawford. Yeah, I think he's their top MVP candidate. And I don't think we can just you know sniff at him and say he's not going to be in the top three uh, of this race. I mean, the season that he's putting together right now, career high in batting average, career high in on-base percentage, career high in OPS+, uh, almost a career high in home runs. He'll surpass that very soon. He's only two behind the 21 that he had hit in 2015 when he was also an All-Star. He has been phenomenal this year for the San Francisco Giants. And so for me, he's the best offensive player on a team that is the best team in the league. That puts you in the conversation, right?
0: That's, I still can't go over it. You said the best player on the best team of baseball, and I thought you were talking about Maximum Seen's I understand.
1: (laughs) Look, there's obviously a debate for if it's the Dodgers or Giants, but factually, the Giants have two more wins right now. Right.
0: No, that's a really, really good point. And I would be willing to bet if you were to walk down the street, people wouldn't know Brandon Crawford. People As having not... one of the
1: best seasons in the National League this yeah. year, <laughs>
0: it's truly insane. I, I think he is the perfect package, and if you had asked me, I I think you would be hard pressed to pick between Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford. Mm-hmm. I think I think both of those guys deserve consideration. Crawford maybe because he's been in more of an everyday role. That's Posey, exactly what I was going to say. Posey has dealt with more injuries, right? So that's it's just such an interesting conversation because and also the the value that you add at shortstop over mm-hmm. a position like Premium catcher. position but I would have hesitated if you had said that to me the the MVB candidate on the Giants because mm-hmm. how do you it's not hard. say Kevin Gosman yep how do you not say Logan Webb, who's been freaking insane lately? How do you not mention an Evan Longoria or Brandon a Yastrzemski belt, or, or Yastrzemski, a Belt? Exactly. It's truly incredible. And I think that's why. Some of their parts. That's exactly why. And we didn't even mention Chris Bryant, who came
1: over <laughs> a month
0: ago. So that's that's what makes the Giants different. Because if the Giants were built like the Dodgers, we wouldn't be having the same type of conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's all those guys. That's why they lead the league in home runs and the whole thing. And they have that incredible pitching staff. They are the sum of their parts. That's the perfect way to
1: put it. Oh, I like it. Should so we move to Muncie I, now? Sorry, <laughs> you, I might as well hit Muncie after that.
0: <laughs> so I just, it's, I, I do think there's something to be said for being the best player on the The reigning World Series champions and arguably the World Series favorites. But if if Max Muncie wasn't on the Dodgers, do you think we would be having this conversation? Because when you said the best single stat line for an individual player, I thought you were talking about Bryce Harper. I was, and I think that year is more MVP-like than the year Max Muncie is having.
1: I, I like that a lot. And you have a great. I think what actually hurts Muncie is, as you said, the fact that he plays he's for the Dodgers. Because, of course, angry. Muncie is having, you know, a, a really a wonderful year with a 390 on base, 151 OPS plus, 28 home runs. It's third in the National League. But I look at it, and here's another name that I had on here, and it's just, it's kind of impossible to really do because of the trade. I think Trey Turner's the best player on the, the best position player on the Dodgers right now. And I think he's had the most value. For the national league actually, if, if you look at Fancraft War, that is exactly what it says, and he leads the entire national league mm-hmm. in position player war at 5.1, having both crazy above average offense and above average defense as well. So, I, I think Turner it's very hard to give him that award because of the nationals to Dodgers flip. But if you're looking strictly on merit, if and I had to pick a Dodger as we talk about Dodgers, I lean Trey Turner. Again, I don't think that disparages Muncy, who, as you said, is having a a really fantastic year. And again, another guy that deserves to get votes, and yeah. he will get votes.
0: He definitely will get votes, and he's but had an excellent season. Yeah.
1: I think that hurts him when it comes down to voting time, and it could split some votes for him.
0: That's so funny. I didn't expect this conversation to be going this way. At <laughs> That's all.
1: why we went conversational with this episode, right? We'll see yeah. where it takes us.
0: I also had Turner on my list. Mm-hmm. leads le- leads all of baseball in hits and average three twenty three average. And he's part of the 2020 club.
1: Quite simply, if he starts the season on the Dodgers, he probably is your MVP.
0: He's probably the second best shortstop in baseball.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it was it was Seager who might simply take his spot. <laughs> it was, I'm willing to put Trey Turner over Xander Bogarts. I'm willing to put Trey Turner over Trevor Story, Carlos Correa. It's crazy. And the other thing that really grates me Why can't Trey Turner be an MVP candidate just because he switched teams? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not like he was any less on the Nationals. At the time, before the deadline, we were debating if the Nationals were going to be buyers. And the main reason why they were buyers is because they had a guy like Trey Turner at the top of their lineup and playing shortstop for them. I don't think that should steer him away from the MVP conversation. He has had just as good of a year, stat line-wise. It was exactly right. If he started on the Dodgers, he probably would be up there one and two with Tatis, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be like that. I think he's going to have 2020 20 seasons for the next five years. I think he's that good of a player
1: i i love trey turner and and to your point i i really hope he's up there in the mvp voting because he deserves it yeah. I, I i fear that that team change is going to play against him in the in the mind of voters i don't think it should because just I really look at don't I really look at don't his body of work and he is he is a superstar i mean that is what trey turner has turned into at this point
0: yeah when you when we were doing our uh trade grades episode,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you made a really good point about the Nationals trade. If you don't throw Trey Turner in there to the Dodgers, you definitely don't get Kiebert Ruiz, who's gotcha. debuting on Monday, by the way, and Josiah Gray. You maybe don't even get one. Mm-hmm. So he is worth so much. I do think Muncie should finish above him, though.
1: Oh, dude, in you? MVP Interesting. Votes. I Interesting. actually, I would
0: give Muncie more votes. And it's honestly, I, I think defensive versatility should be valued more in these type of votes settings and i think muncie's defensive versatility is really undervalued
1: Uh, that's very fair and then i would throw straight back at you that trey turner is you playing a new position at second base with the dodgers you're right so it's no it just should that's why i thought muncie and turner are great foils to go off of each other because there are so many you know similarities that go with them and of course playing with the same team they they for me give a huge debate for voters come come time
0: and they have such I mean their their physiques are different yep. they both have good plate discipline but I think you could say without a doubt Trey Turner is the more aggressive guy at the plate that's another yes. thing about Muncie who has plate discipline like Max Muncie
1: nobody not in many. all of baseball yeah, not many. Yeah.
0: So that's another thing. It's such a I I want to root for Max Muncie almost because he does the the quote-unquote old-fashioned things. He takes the walk. He plays a really good first base. He hits for he hits for power obviously, but he's never going to be the face of baseball. Trey Turner has so mm-hmm. much more pizzazz than he does. I think but, that's
1: a very fair way to put it. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's also they're both probably 50 50% better than league average. So it's really you know, they're both in a pretty good spot.
1: <laughs> I would say both so. Both getting
0: MVP votes. <laughs> I want to mention quickly before we go back to Harper, mm-hmm. I put Willie Adamas on my list.
1: I love that you did that.
0: I think he deserves it. Go back and listen to the episode where we talked. I think it was trade grades, right? When we talked about... Oh, no, this was a biggest uh, last surprise. Last week's episode, yeah. we did it, yeah. Last week's episode, Pat talked about Willie Adamas, how he has been the offensive second coming for the Brewers <laughs> Pretty the much. reason why they have I, I mean Pat the Brewers are chasing the Giants for the best record of baseball right now it's they have crazy. vaulted themselves into that category They're because of the big three back, I want to say yeah it's insane because of the big three but also because of Willie Adamas. uh in that case He's not getting the MVP because he switched teams, and it was also because he was terrible in Tampa. So that pretty much ends that debate. <laughs>
1: he was an anti-Trey Turner and that he was bad in one spot. While exactly. Turner was phenomenal in Exactly.
0: But the second half has been absolutely absurd.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. No, that, that's a great reference.
0: Uh, should we do our, our honorable mentions quick and then maybe end with Bryce Harper? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I it. just quickly, if you're talking about monster second halves, how do you not say Joey Votto? Oh yeah, Joey Votto has t- has turned quite literally. I gotta say this again for emphasis. Joey Votto has changed the narrative of his career. Mm-hmm. This year, he has solidified himself as a member of the Hall of Fame because at age thirty seven, he has had more power than he has had in every single season that he played baseball. And Joey Votto, I think, deserves to get MVP votes because of how well he's played in the second half. I I mean, talk about Willie Adamas' impact on the Brewers. The Reds are nowhere close to the playoffs without Joey Vada playing the way that he did in the second half.
1: Yeah, just the the streak that Votto went on there towards the end of July where he seemingly homered in every single game. I believe it was seven in a row, ended up being the final number. And I think it's 17 since the All-Star break, if I'm quoting that number off the top of my head right. Sounds right, yeah. Uh, It's incredible. To your point as well, 37 years of age. Someone that has been on the the decline the last two years has come out and just... He's always had the on-base percentage because he's Joey Votto, so that's never really going to fall off. But the at-bats that he's able to put together, especially raising his average almost 50 points from a year ago, the home run power is back, the doubles are back, he's Joey Votto, so everyone loves him in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. As you said, he is so important to everything the Cincinnati Reds do. He is so important to why this lineup is so lethal. When it's healthy with him, Castellanos, and Winker, Jonathan India, you want to add to that group as well, who's been performing you know, highly above expectations this year. He is one of the main reasons why the Cincinnati Reds are one of the more fun teams to watch in baseball.
0: Yeah, a game and a half ahead of the Padres for the second wildcard spot.
1: And they're going to get it.
0: Pretty good position to be in. Don't do that, Pat. Don't (laughs) do that. They're going to get it. No, I I really think it's going to take a miracle for the Padres to come back at this point. An absolute miracle.
1: The Dodgers pitching staff against this Reds lineup in a (sighs) one-game playoff is going to be fantastic.
0: What, you don't think they could flip-flop the 11-and-a-half game lead the Dodgers have? You don't think that's unflappable?
1: Uh, They probably got that. Home field
0: advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quickly, the last guy I had on my list before I flip it over to you. Let's play a quick game, Pat. Mm -hmm. How many players on the Braves are you willing to list that are better than Austin Riley?
1: Oh, I love it because you know I had Austin Riley (laughs) written down. I had Austin Riley and Freddie Freeman as my two others I wanted to discuss, so please take it away.
0: Both of those guys just so good. I mentioned the stat that the Braves infield has a chance, all four guys in the infield, to hit over 30 home runs. That doesn't happen. No. Those type of infields are not that powerful. It's Albies and it's Swanson up the middle, and it's Riley and Freeman at the corners. Freeman coming off of his MVP year, he started Really slowly. Riley actually yes. did who he was hitting sub two hundred. I think I can confidently say Austin Riley is the best hitter in that Braves lineup.
1: Oh, oh, you're gonna hurt the Freddie Freeman lovers. I <laughs> I and I will stick with Freddie Freeman as well, body of work wise and at bat yeah, wise. That's fair. But but listen, you've heard me talk about Austin Riley all season. He's turned himself into a star this year. He he really has. I want him to be up in that that M V P race. Freddie Freeman as well, I think, should be right there. As you said, MVP last year has really put together another great season again this year. Where would this Braves team be if Ronald Acuna didn't get injured? That's, yeah, just the, that's the one that's thing to That's a great
0: ask. question, yeah.
1: But they they both deserve to be right up there. They, As you said, listen, Dansby Swanson has been really good. Has he been good enough to get MVP votes? I, I would lean away just with the other guys we've talked about. Uh, Ozzie Albies has been a monster since basically July Uh, So these are the two guys you look at. And (laughs) I think they'll both get votes.
0: Yeah, I think they will too. I am personally speaking to Alex Anthopoulos right now. Please extend, Freddie. Please, just do it. Just extend him. Make everybody happy. Make baseball happy. Quiet all the haters. Just mm, do it. Just do it.
1: He is going to be... Probably the most intriguing free agent this winter if the Braves actually let him get there, which I don't understand how they could let him get there. I was just going to
0: say, how can you even entertain that thought? Because it would be absolute madness if Freddie Freeman became a free agent.
1: Steve Cohen, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: Steve Cohen turned it off a while Pete, ago. <laughs> Pete at
1: first, Freeman at DH, the uh, no, other way around because Freeman's a better fielder. But yeah, no, that's, obviously that's a joke. That's not going to happen. But um, yeah, maybe I, Juan
0: soda You never know.
1: <laughs> holding out the dream. Um, I don't understand how in any world the Braves can let him walk. You pay Freddie Freeman whatever he wants. You make him a Brave for life. It just it should be that easy, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and just quickly, especially with how much of a steal they got out of Albies and Acuna and
1: Acuna. Yep.
0: Yeah, you you give Freddie. You can reinvest literally that everything you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the last thing about Austin Riley, how do you think Austin Riley? How do you think Javier Baez would have done in Austin Riley's shoes? Braves fans were calling for his head He'd for the underperformed past two for years, years. Yeah. Yep. yeah came on so strong was so good was terrible in 2020 was mm-hmm. terrible at the beginning of this season and now literally he bats cleanup he bats cleanup for the yep. Atlanta Braves Austin Riley he's probably our age too it's
1: insane <laughs> Austin Riley is what Phillies fans want Scott Kingery to be it's it's oh my a guy that wow. has gotten so many chances and has never come through that <sighs> was austin riley who at to your point did at least come on hot which he yeah. did when he first debuted then pitchers really figured him out with the breaking stuff this year he has turned himself into a star that's
0: scott kingery comp wow
1: you know, I'll take jabs at Phillies whenever I can. Are you <laughs> that me? was
0: brutal. That was
1: brutal. <laughs> I just, I had to spend the first 10 minutes of this podcast talking about how much of a disaster my baseball you team did. is. I you will did. happily take a little jab at the Phillies.
0: And we've been praising the Braves. Yeah, it's been yes. a tough year for Pat. It's been a I, tough year. Cut I, him some slack. But let's you. talk, let's finish with Harper because I yeah. really, I think it's going to come down to Tatis and Harper. Do you agree? Uh,
1: I, I would too. I, I really wish Trey Turner. And, and I believe Trey Turner should be up there, but I just, I don't think that he's going to get the slack he deserves with the trade. So we'll put Harper right there.
0: Yeah. As of Monday night, he's the only player in baseball to have an OPS over a thousand.
1: First place I was going with it.
0: He's at 2015 MVP level. Mm-hmm. He's at the, the wonderkind level that he came up as. And now he's just getting outplayed by all the other guys in the league that are a few years younger than him. I think what Bryce Harper is doing is absolutely, absolutely exceptional. It's not enough, though. It's not enough. I don't think the Phillies get into the playoffs. And as you said, I can't remember if you said it before we started recording or on this. I don't think if the Phillies don't make the playoffs. That was a double double negative. But (laughs) Bryce Harper doesn't win the MVP if the Phillies are out of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I feel like one of the more odd stories in baseball is how little attention Bryce Harper gets. Yeah, why is just that? Why things have switched, kind of. Because remember, when he came up, all of the stories were about Bryce Harper. And it seems like the attention has just slowly dissipated for him. And I don't understand why as he continues to put up great numbers year after year and this year especially as you said he is if he's not fully back to that 2015 just one of the greatest years we've ever seen with 42 home runs 99 rbis a 460 on base percentage and a 198 ops plus i say it with that emphasis because i'm trying not to laugh out loud as i read (laughs) those numbers Harper has still had, you know, an, an incredible season this year, again, hitting over 300 and on base over 400 and OPS over 70% better than league average. He deserves to be talked about a lot more. I know our attention goes to the Tatises of the world because he's so fun to watch. He plays shortstop, all that stuff. But Bryce Harper it, is the best outfielder in the National League right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and For me, even though I do strongly believe the Phillies will miss the playoffs because I think they're a flawed team, he should be the number two in the MVP vote for me.
0: Yeah, and the reason I say the playoff argument, even though I just told you why I don't believe in it, is Mm -hmm. because if the Phillies do make the playoffs, it will be because Bryce Harper went on ungodly tear.
1: He gets the award if the Phillies make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Ah, that's a great... If the Phillies make
1: it and the Padres do not, he's getting this over. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. That would be devastating for Tatis. I would feel really badly because those two seasons, it's the same thing with Vlad, right? Mm -hmm. Vlad had an absolutely insane season, and it's just that Shohei Otani needed to to one-up him on a personal level. My one thought about Bryce Harper, he was so overrated for so long that I think people got sick of him. And when I say overrated... I mean, still above average, still way above average, still $330 million, I think that's what his contract was. But he had a generally disappointing season in his first year in Philly. And I think people wrote him off. People are sick of talking about him. They were sick of the whole, uh, that whole winter, that whole off season with him and Manny Machado. And it took months and months and months for them to make up their mind. Of course, it's a Scott Boris client and Bryce Harper has literally quietly compiled a 1,000 OPS, and nobody's talking
1: about him. So my favorite part about this, and it shows how we think about Harper differently than regular players. So you say 2019 was a quiet year for him. 35 home runs, (laughs) over 100 RBIs, and a 370 on base.
0: It's insane. It's it's the
1: standard that we hold Bryce Harper to because he came up as the chosen one as a 19-year-old, and I think we are seeing the effects of that almost 10 years later. Bryce Harper is one of the better players in the entire sport he is doing it yet again this year and deserve as it might get pipped to the award from fernando tatis but what a season he's having
0: yeah the fact that he's even in this conversation yeah very well said i will leave it there even though i know you hate to say it and i hate to say it for you i hope the phillies do it because i want Harper to win it that would be really cool to see what he can do
1: Yeah, no, as you said, if if they get there, it's because Harper hits about 17 home runs from now (laughs) in the end of the season. So, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to write that off for him.
0: Yeah. All right. So it it really is more wide open than I even thought it was going to be going into this. It's, this is a really interesting race.
1: Yeah, it is. This is going to be really, really exciting. If I did have to rank it though, as of right now, mine would be Tatis one, Harper two, Trey Turner three.
0: Okay. I'll do Tatis, Harper Muncy.
1: I think that's that's pretty fair.
0: Can I say quickly? I put Zach Wheeler on this list.
1: I like that you did that.
0: In his last three starts, he's given up 15 runs combined. So I think that alone took him out of the conversation, despite the fact of how well he would have had to pitch to win this award as a pitcher. But he's he's third in the league in pitches per inning throwing, which I actually thought was a really interesting stat. I hadn't seen it before. Fifth in walks per nine. He has three complete games. In all those starts where he's given up more runs, and by more runs, I mean four, <laughs> six innings, six and two thirds, eight innings. I've said it enough, I won't beat a dead horse. Longevity matters in this league. That's why Lance Lynn is a front runner for the AL Cy Young. I think Zach Wheeler and, and Walker Bueller, this is a conversation for another time. I think Zach Wheeler wins Cy Young unless Walker Bueller has a crazy stretch to end it. But Zach Wheeler, the innings pitched, the volume, the stuff, the velocity especially, the strikeouts and the low walk numbers, I think it makes him a legitimate—he was one of the best players in baseball this year.
1: Isn't it wild that we're talking about the Phillies to possibly have the MVP (laughs) and the Cy Young, and they're still most likely going to miss the playoffs?
0: It's absurd. I know that you would give it to Bueller
1: over Wheeler, though. I I lean— I don't even know if I do. Because, I listen, you've heard me talk many times about Zach Wheeler and how great yeah. I think he's been this year. I think that's a fantastic discussion for yeah. who we, we could spend a whole podcast on. I it, know. In all honesty. <laughs> but I, I do like that you, you spotlighted Wheeler. I do not think he's going to finish towards the top of the NL MVP stuff just no. because of all the different position players we just spotlighted and how many guys are having such great years. But NL Cy Young, which we will certainly get to in an award preview show in just a few months' time, I'm sure, is going to be an awesome discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you put Zach Wheeler in the MVP conversation, then you got to put Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. and you got to put Brandon Woodruff, and you got to put Walker Buehler. It's insane. Yeah. It's, I would love a world, and I think this is coming sooner rather than later, in which the MVP might not have to be a position player. I think we're going to get some pitchers winning this award sooner rather than later. I really do.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we see it every so often. Justin Verlander from uh, a, a couple years ago, or probably more than a couple years ago at this point, it, and, when he was
0: on the Tigers. So yeah. probably like five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and technically this year as well with Mister Otani. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Well said. Well said. But Good no, problem.
1: I, I, and listen, I thought Degrom was the front runner before he got hurt. So yeah. I, I do think we're definitely leaving it open to to be seeing it more.
0: And I like that. I think yeah. a pitcher can be just as valuable, even if he pitches only every fifth day. Should we transition to numbers? I'm staying Let's, in baseball, obviously.
1: You know I'm staying in baseball. <laughs> Maybe next week as we get into the first week of the college football season and the NFL season, I'll take you somewhere else. Yeah,
0: but. next week to to preview. We are doing our NFL preview next week. We're super excited about it. And we've got uh, August Players of the Month this Friday. So we've got yeah, a lot of good we've stuff. We've got some good stuff. Exactly. Coming up. So the craziest number I heard this week Pat was 86%. And I heard this on the Sunday night broadcast of the Oakland A's versus Yankees game on Sunday. 86% is the percentage of games that DJ LeMahieu has gotten on base on this season. So LeMahieu has gotten on base in 106 of the 123 games he's played in so far this season. In a game in which you fail seven out of ten times and are still considered a good, if not great, baseball player, DJ LeMahieu has gotten on base in 86% of the games he's played in. And before I even let you react to that, Mm -hmm. I am not comparing his specific on base percentage to how many times he's gotten on base on the season. I am not comparing apples and oranges. His on base percentage is 346, which is still 50, very good. 55th in the league. It's yeah. good. It's not LeMahieu's best season by any means. It doesn't no. put him in that elite category. But that doesn't matter to me because not many players can say on a full year that they've gotten on base at least once in a game over 80% of the time. It's a testament to the fact that he has the lowest chase rate of his career this year Mm. and a down year for DJ LeMahieu. He's in the 96th percentile in whiff percentage. LeMahieu finds ways on base. He doesn't strike out. He's been red hot since the deadline, which is one of the reasons why the Yankees are in the position that they're in chasing the Rays for the division title, which I never in a million years thought I would be saying this year. But though he might not get on base at a very high clip, he gets. He finds ways. I thought 106 out of 123 was just an absurd number.
1: I'll tell you what, it really does catch me by surprise. Because right? when you think of LeMayhu this year, as you were pointing, I do not think of, of this as one of the top years he's ever had. Uh, he is down in a lot of categories, especially for what he's done with in his Yankee career so far, but to find a way to get on base in 86% of games, I got to imagine that's one time in a lot of them, because his, his on-base percentage, it, it listen, as we said, it's still at basically 350, which is above average, yeah. very, very solid, Um, it, that's a, a very impressive stat from him, and just one that I, I would not think of when I think of DJ LeMahieu this year.
0: I was kind of floored when I heard it. Yeah. Because the, the it basically means he just doesn't have a lot of offers, yeah, exactly. and I think... That's the reason why Aaron Boone has kept him at the top of the lineup, even when he struggled. And he has, I I think at the beginning of the season, he was not having a good year. To put it lightly, he was not good, especially after signing six years, $90 million contract was not good. And now he's trying to find it. And you know how much I love the stat about how no teams are shifting on him. It it, it just all, it paints the picture of how well-rounded he is. He's that old-fashioned player that has so many tools. It's not all about the, p- the power. He's also nearing 400 hits. And he's in some elite company with a bunch of all the good Yankees players in the past that you can think of to get to 400 hits in less than two years since he signed with the Yankees.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. So I think that's... That's fair to point. It's also hard for him to live up to the, the standard that he set his first two years. Right. At the Yankees. Of course, last year was, you know, a very short sample, but he was out of this world yeah. in, in his performance in a, a crazy strong 2019 as well. So I think that kind of uh, dis- uh, disparages how we look at him a little bit and, and takes his expectations uh, down or up, I should say. But um, still, as you said, that, that's a crazy stat of 86%. Yeah,
0: I thought so. Thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. Alright, so my number will then be 7, and that is that Salvador Perez mm. is on pace to become the 7th player to play most of his games, that is an important point, at catcher and hit 40 home runs in a single season. He is currently sitting on 37 right now as a record. The only players to ever have 40 home runs or more playing most of their games as a catcher, Javi Lopez, Todd Hundley, Roy Campanella, and Mike or mike piazza i think i might have even yeah that that's the list <laughs> so i'm like am i reading that correctly yes i am uh no i'm not johnny bench too yeah that really threw me off there we okay, go okay yeah another elite name exactly so apologies i i can't read a table correctly but there was some some moving parts to the table i was going off of um i think what salvador perez is doing right now is just out of this world to think of the fact that he had the Tommy John surgery and then has basically turned into Mike Piazza since his Tommy John surgery. <laughs> it is wild. Uh, of course he's doing it for the Kansas City Royals, so it doesn't get the same kind of attention that that he probably should get, but one of the more surprising and downright shocking transformations in baseball is Salvador Perez going from a guy that I think was looked at more for his defense and a you know a decent bat And has now turned into a premier power hitter in the sport.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, this is elitism. He's Him and Whit Merrifield, I think, have sparred for the face of the Royals. Perez is doing his part right now to, to really go out there. I mean, people are comparing. They're saying that he has the bat of Mike Piazza, which you just said, and the defense of Yadier Molina. And when you mesh the two, you get Salvador Perez. Yeah. Those are pretty good Comps, he's chasing Shohei. It's just, it's insane how I've mentioned it. Baseball is a game of runs, just like anything else. When a player gets hot and they show what they can do, he has almost 500 plate appearances. He's healthy. I think that's what most, what's most important. Do you know how how, how old he is off the top of your head? I'm looking it up right now.
1: Oh, Salvi Perez. I do not. He
0: debuted, oh, he's 31. So, really, he he has a couple of good years left. It's just that he plays catcher, so it seems like 31 is almost 35 in regular years. But it's it truly seems every year like he's just getting started. And if he puts up a 40 spot, again, that company, you don't hear those names every day.
1: No, no, absolutely not. It is unbelievably impressive. What uh, what he's put together, and so much so that I needed to make sure it was spotlighted.
0: Yeah, and it, the funny thing is that I actually think it's been getting more attention than I thought it would on Twitter, and I think that's a testament to who he is. Yeah, because he he's seems very like, well liked. Yeah, he seems like one of the most beloved players in baseball. Everybody loves him.
1: Yeah, so it, it's cool to see his success in that yeah, way. totally. Um, and, it's just, listen, obviously Shohei has been the runaway story with the power this year. As you said, Salvi's right behind him. You know, he he really is. So this is going to be an interesting home run chase here as we, we go to the final month.
0: At least the Royals started hot and ended hot. Right?
1: That's right. <laughs> at, listen, at least they were watchable this year. They, they, they were, were. And yeah. they've still got Bobby Witt on the way.
0: So. Yeah. No, I think the Royals will be just fine. Just I,
1: fine. I do too. Cool. Nice. But all right, that will do it for us here on the did you hear podcast be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes and leave a rating as well as that really helps us out follow us on instagram and twitter at did you hear pod we will be back for weekly walk off august players of the month on friday and emma that's a wrap